Hello, this is Father Michael Eads from the Toronto Oratory, and you're listening to Lexio et Oratio, a short spiritual reading podcast followed by a reflection. Mother Teresa, come be my light, the private writings of the Saint of Calcutta, chapter 12, continued, section 2. Remember my face before Jesus. Mother Teresa's first letter to Father Vanderpeet was, in fact, a note she wrote during that retreat. She professed her emptiness and smallness and questioned the usefulness of seeking spiritual help in this state. Asking for her prayers, asking for his prayers. She alluded to the private vow she had been carrying with her through an agonizing struggle. Asking for his prayers, she alluded to the private vow that had been carrying her through the agonizing struggle. Dear Father Michael, God love you for all the love you have given to each one of us. Keep the joy of giving only Jesus to all who come in touch with you. I would be grateful if I could turn to you for spiritual help, but I am absolutely too small and empty. Only Jesus can stoop so low as to be in love with one such as me. Pray for me. That no does not pass through my heart and lips when Jesus asks. Yours in Jesus, Mother Teresa, M.C. Father Michael Vanderpeet's impressions from this and subsequent meetings with Mother Teresa leave no doubt as to the holiness and union with God that she radiated. Whenever I met Mother, all self-consciousness left me. I felt right away at ease. She radiated joy and peace, even when she shared with me the darkness in her spiritual life. I was often amazed that someone who lived so much face-to-face with suffering people and went through a dark night herself still could smile and make you feel happy. I believe that I can say that I felt in God's presence, in the presence of truth and love. I could not help but think, here is a person God dreamed of in paradise, truly a touch of God. Yet I have to say, at the same time, that she was one of the most down-to-earth persons I have ever met. This practical spirit came to the fore, especially in the way she directed her congregation and managed to stay on top of the myriad demands of her time by so many people within and outside her religious family. Yet despite the numerous activities, the frequent travels to visit the increasing number of houses, the growing needs of the poor she witnessed daily, and the persistent interior darkness that troubled her, Her fidelity to prayer was categorical. Dear Father Michael, your letter of Christmas and this one of February 26th brought me much joy for the gift you keep on giving, praying for me. I think I do the same for you. Forgive me for the delay. I just could not make it. The whole of January I spent in traveling in the south of India, the whole February in Calcutta and round, and now again I am going to the south for another two weeks 
to finish the remaining houses. I make my holy hour with Jesus straight after Mass so that I get the two hours with Jesus before people and sisters start using me. I let him use me first. You write so beautifully of nothingness, we and fullness, God. And to think that those two are so apart, and yet the humility of God has made it one, Jesus. Keep the joy of loving only Jesus for you and for me. Yours in Jesus, Mother Teresa, M.C. Mother Teresa's uncompromising fidelity to prayer was one virtue that her sisters had observed back when she was in Loreto. Her first followers were struck by it as well. It continued to impress the generations of missionaries of charity, and in later years, the numerous visitors to the chapel of the mother house. People were fascinated just watching Mother pray. They would sit there and watch her, be really drawn into this mystery. One of her followers observed, they would sit there and watching her be really drawn into this mystery. One of her followers observed, hearing her loud and clear voice in prayer or seeing her penetrating gaze fix on the tabernacle left an impression of great intimacy with God. Little did they know that she had not enjoyed the fruits of that intimacy for decades. Indeed, one of the great challenges of the darkness was this absence of a vivid sense of God's presence in prayer. It was something she still longed for. In September 1959, she had written to Jesus at the request of Father Picacci. I don't pray any longer. I utter words of community prayers and try my utmost to get out of every word the sweetness it has to give. But my prayer of union is not there any longer. I no longer pray. My soul is not one with you. At that time, her prayer, which she labeled as miserably dry and frozen, proved effective and obtained many graces for others. This was true throughout the years of impenetrable darkness. A letter reveals an aspect of her prayer for others. Often during adoration, faces of the people I have met come before me, and I remember them to Jesus. Do this for me as I do for you. Remember my face before Jesus. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Angels of God, our guardians, dear, to whom God's love commits us here, ever this day be at our side, to light and guard, to rule and guide. Amen. Most sacred heart of Jesus, teacher of teachers, have mercy on us. Saint Philip Neri, gentle guide of youth, patron of thy own vessel of the Holy Ghost, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Is Mother Teresa a great theologian? Well, yes. If you mean by theologian someone who has written long and difficult 
books about the mystery of the Trinity, the mystery of the Incarnation, like Thomas Aquinas, well, then no, she's not. But if you mean by theologian someone who knows God and speaks to God about God, theology is speaking about God, then Mother Teresa is a profound theologian. And not only that, but her expressions at times, her way of explaining things, the own way that she phrases things, are profoundly rich in theological insight. And it requires one to know a lot of theology, a lot of Thomas Aquinas, for example, to really understand some of the things she's saying or to understand why what she's saying is true and must be true. And tonight is a great example of that in the reading. She's focusing on the nothingness that we are and the fullness that God is. And why does she say that we are nothingness? Well, because in Genesis it says that God formed Adam from the dust of the earth. Later in the Old Testament, we read that God created the world from nothing, ex nihilo. That we who were nothing were made by God into something. He didn't take existing materials and form us. No, from nothingness, he made us into what we are. We are completely dependent on him. Our very existence depends on him. He holds us in existence. But God is fullness. God always existed. God can't not exist. He is the fullness of all perfection, the fullness of all goodness. And so the combination of human nothingness, that is, in ourselves apart from God, and God's fullness, she brings together in thinking about Jesus. Because he has made one humanity and divinity. He's made one our nothingness and God's fullness. And these are not contradictory. These are not self-destroying. That God can hold us in the greatest union with himself. He doesn't overpower us. He doesn't obliterate humanity. The unity of humanity and divinity in Jesus Christ is the unique teaching of Jesus Christ. It's the unique teaching of Christianity. That God, without ceasing to be God, has become man. That God, in his fullness, can live a human and historical life. That God has made our human existence one with himself. He has transformed the whole of human life, including the poor, including suffering. And this must be why Mother Teresa was not so cast down in the face of the terrible suffering she saw. And she saw more suffering than almost any human being has ever seen. And why was she not cast down? Because somehow she believed that through the incarnation, God could be found in that suffering. She somehow believed that even in that suffering, God was close. That God knew what it was like. That God could be found there, even in a very privileged way. And so she never gave up praying. And if we who suffer 
if we who are in great difficulty want to persevere, what do we have to do? We have to pray. We have to be uncompromising. Above all, uncompromising in our fidelity to the Eucharist, going to Mass, sitting before the tabernacle, sitting before the monstrance, spending time with the Lord. This is the secret to perseverance. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.